Hello, my dear listeners. You found your way to Counter Melody, and I couldn't be more delighted to welcome you to my podcast. Once again, and as always, I'm your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I'm here to present to you the finest exponents, both renowned and less well-known, of the art of song. Sometimes it just seems as if the world has turned completely upside down, but it is my fervent hope, even in these difficult times, that the artists I present here may brighten our path with their luminous voices and inspire us on our search toward a better and more hopeful future. And now, this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second of my Great Baltimoreans sub-series for Black History Month. Just the other day, we had Damon Evans introducing the great George Shirley. Now, George Shirley is not from Baltimore, but Damon Evans is. And it was a beautiful encounter with Damon, and I hope that you've had a chance to give that a listen. Now, just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated the birthday of Leontine Price. When I posted about her birthday, I referred to her as the Ur-Diva. Today's artist is anything but a diva. In fact, I would call her the Undiva. The woman I am referring to, with great respect and flabbergasted awe, is the jazz singer Ethel Ennis, who was born in Baltimore on the 28th of November 1932 and died there on February 17th, 2019, at the age of 86. Before I start talking about her life, let's listen to a few clips of Ethel Ennis in all of her variety and all of her glory. First, a song that's completely appropriate to Ethel, the standard from the great American songbook, The Song Is You, from Music in the Air, composed by Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein. This is a 1964 recording that Ethel Ennis made for RCA Records. When I look at you A beautiful theme of every dream I ever knew Down deep in my heart I hear it play I feel it start Then melt away I hear music when you touch my hand A beautiful melody from some enchanted land down deep in my heart, I hear it say, Is this the day? I alone have heard this lovely strain. I alone have heard this great refrain. Must be forever inside of me. Why can I let it go? Why can I let you know? Why can I let you know this all my heart would sing? That beautiful rhapsody of love and youth and spring. The music is sweet, the words are true, the song is you.
Now, I have two contrasting performances of Ethel performing the song Thrill Me by composer Louis Gensler to words by... Counter-melody favorite. Yip Harburg. This was from a Broadway review called Ballyhoo of 1932. This song is a very sexy one, and Ethel takes two different approaches to expressing the sensuality in both music and lyric. First is a 1957 recording that Ethel made for Capitol Records, arranged and conducted by Neil Hefty. Anybody remember Neil Hefty? Remember Batman? Remember that theme song? That was composed by Neil Hefty. He was also a band leader and married to the magnificent Italian-American jazz singer Francis Wayne. Anyway, here is Ethel in a very laid-back rendition of this song, Thrill Me. Laid-back, yet suggestive. Thrill me With a kiss that's vicious With a love It's all fictitious mm. Handle me with skill Bend me to your will Break my heart but thrill the sky aglow Let the stars swing low And the world roll over Nothing lives forever That includes the thrill of love And now, from her first recording for RCA in 1964 called This is Ethel Ennis here is a much more up-tempo version of Thrill Me in an arrangement by Sid Bass, who also conducts. Thrill me With a kiss that's vicious With a love delicious Though it's all fictitious mm, Handle me with its skill Bend me to your will Break my heart but thrill me Oh, 
set the sky aglow Let the stars swing low And the world roll over Thrill me Do it now or never Nothing lives forever said on numerous occasions that this series is called Forgotten Divas, but that was only for want of a better term. I mean it not at all disparagingly. These are singers who deserve to be in the forefront of our memories. Every single woman that I have presented this month as part of my Black History Month celebration ranks among the very greatest. And I'm very pleased to tell you that Ethel Ennis is currently being celebrated in her native Baltimore with an exhibition at the George Peabody Library that extends through the 14th of April. I so wish that I could get to Baltimore to see this. I can't really imagine how I'm going to arrange that. I'm going to have to take a trip around the country. Annabelle Bernard's papers are held by the Amistad Center, and now there's this exhibition on Ethel Ennis. If anyone is able to partake of this exhibition, it looks really fabulous. I've been looking at a lot of the materials. That would be a wonderful way of seeing documents and hearing recordings that celebrate the life of Ethel Ennis. But let's just talk about her a little bit, okay? As I mentioned, she was born in 1932 and therefore grew up in a very segregated Baltimore. There are audio interviews with Ethel Ennis, and she speaks quite frankly about growing up in a segregated world. I found a story of her talking about going to a department store downtown with her mother and having to use the bathroom. And of course, this was a big no-no. But little Ethel really had to pee. And so her mother took her upstairs to the restrooms in this department store. Whites only posted everywhere. And she simply burst through that door and took her daughter with her and people stared and glared, but nobody said anything. Her grandmother said to her, this is a white man's world. And again, as with so many of the women that we've been talking about this month that grew up in those early years of the 20th century, a young person of color had to be better than one's white counterparts, simply to be able to survive in that so-called white man's world. 
Ethel was very much brought up with that basic idea. And part of that straining toward respectability involved taking piano lessons, and she proved herself to be very gifted at the piano. But her grandmother was also extremely religious and saw performance of any kind of music other than hymns to be sinful. In spite of this, and against all odds, somehow when she was around 15 years old, Ethel began playing piano with an all-male vocal group, performing at a certain club, and during the breaks that the group would take, Ethel would play piano and also eventually sing. And you can imagine that her hyper-religious grandmother did not uh, approve of what she was doing, but Ethel persevered, and eventually she began performing at clubs in and around Baltimore. In 1955, she made her first record called Lullabies for Losers. We're going to hear an excerpt from that at the very end of the episode. But meanwhile, she came to the attention of Benny Goodman, who hired her to accompany his orchestra on their tour of Brussels in 1958. By this time, Ethel had already the first of her two recordings for Capitol Records, entitled Change of Scenery. I gotta say, this is not bad for a young woman with a career primarily performing in small Baltimore clubs. From that tour of Brussels, let's hear Ethel's performance of This Is My Lucky Day by Henderson, Brown, and De Silva. Say I'm lucky. This is my lucky day. I'm all in clover. I'm glad all over. I want to shout hooray. I found a horseshoe couldn't go wrong. And then of course you happen along. This is my lucky day I'm all in clover I'm glad all over I want to shout hooray I found a horseshoe couldn't go wrong And then of course you happen along Following that tour, Ethel made a second record for Capitol Records called Have You Forgotten? After that, she performed the first of her many disappearing acts from the international jazz scene. She was teetering on the edge of world fame, but she didn't like the way that things were run. And so she returned to Baltimore and continued performing in smaller venues until the year 1964, when she was once again, quote, rediscovered by RCA Records executives and also presented at the Newport Jazz Festival in the summer of 1964. 
From that live appearance, we're going to hear the song But Beautiful by Jimmy Van Heusen and Johnny Burke. It was originally heard in one of those dreadful road movies with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, but the song itself has become a jazz standard, and it's one that was clearly very important to Ethel herself as she performed it throughout her career, But Beautiful. And let's welcome to Newport Miss Ethel Ennis. It's quiet Oh, it's mad It's a good thing Oh, it's bad But Beautiful Beautiful To take a chance Probably the most famous of Baltimore-born musicians was the great Billie Holiday. And Ethel used to tell the story about her phone ringing in the middle of the night and Billie Holiday being on the other line. At first, Ethel thought it was just a bad joke, but then no, it emerged that this actually was Billie Holiday. She had heard of Ethel and wanted to find out more about this young Baltimorean upstart. She'd also actually heard her sing and was very, very impressed with her and encouraged her to do it her way, to follow her own lights, and she would achieve fame. Now, Ethel's objective was never achieving fame, but imagine what that would have been like to get encouragement from someone like Billie Holiday. 
I mentioned how Ethel had sung But Beautiful over and over over the course of her singing career. And in her final recording, a live one from the year 2005, she channels Billie Holiday for a few phrases in her performance of But Beautiful. As Billie would say, love is terrifying, or is gay. It's a problem, or is play. It's a heartache, if me way, but beautiful. And I'm thinking I'm thinking If you were mine I'd never let you go And that would be And while we're on the topic of Billie Holiday, let's hear Ethel interpret a Billie Holiday standard. This is from her last studio recording in 1998 called If Women Ruled the World, and this is God Bless the Child in a beautifully stripped-down arrangement. Child, God bless the child. 
God blessed the child that's God his own We've heard that Ethel was a beautiful interpreter of standards. There are also some kind of one-off songs that I had never heard before that I think she interprets with great insouciance and skill. I have a few examples of such songs to offer you right now. First off is a song from the 1958 Capitol Records release, Have You Forgotten? This is a song by Robert Haynes called A Little Bit Square But Nice. And it just makes me grin from ear to ear to hear her interpret this. Never dug the moonlight, couldn't make the June night. Then you came and broke the ice. I gotta admit, it's crazy. A little bit square, but nice. Out from undercover, I became a lover, listening to your advice. I gotta admit, I like it, a little bit square but nice. How could Cupid slip one into this old heart? How could such a hip one catch the dart, then fall apart? shoes and rice I gotta admit it's crazy a little bit square One of the patrons who used to come into one of the clubs where Ethel would sing was none other than Baltimore native Spiro Agnew. And it could have been this connection that was the reason that Ethel sang at the second Nixon inaugural in January 1973. She didn't have a new record at the time, and so BASF Records, which was primarily a European-based label, rushed a new album into production called Ten Sides of Ethel Ennis. Every song on this record was penned by Gladys Shelley, a songwriter who wrote more than 300 songs over the course of her long career, the most famous of which is, no doubt, How Did He Look? This is, without a doubt, the most peculiar release in Ethel Ennis's catalog. It shows a wide, wide range of songs, indeed, ten different sides to Ethel Ennis, ranging from novelty numbers to ragtime to rhythm and blues. It covers the entire gamut. Considering that this release followed directly on the heels of her performance for the Nixon inauguration, one must ask if it is mere coincidence that the lead track is called Clown Town. Certainly, 
Ethel's closing comment accurately describes the turn that the Nixon presidency took over the course of the next year. Clown town, the world is a clown town. It's while you wonder what it's all about. The contemporary we all masquerade here. Where there is love, there's jealousy. from this record is a song called I Can't Talk to a Wall. It's very different than the style that Ethel usually performed in. She sounds like the most divine R&B soul diva, honestly. This song just sends me. I adore it and I adore her. I won't ask you where you've been I'm in misery 
to a wall. In a 2007 interview, Ethel stated, Audiences expect one thing, and if they get another, they're disappointed. Instead of seeing what's there, they insist on what they expected. Jazz purists especially have a set idea of what jazz should be, but I always thought jazz was about freedom from rules. If I express myself through my music and I'm a playful person, then my music will be playful. People would tell me, Ethel, you're not serious enough. You're not trying hard enough. And I'd reply, like the song says, I gotta be me. What else can I be? I always try to find the humor in everything. After I divorced my first husband, I joked, loving you made me a better woman for another man. And now it's time to talk about that second husband, the man who was by far the most important person in Ethel Ennis's life. In 1967, Ethel was frequently appearing at a nightclub called The Red Fox. And there was a police reporter who would frequently stop in after work to hear her perform. His name was, and is, Earl Arnett. He proposed to his newspaper an article on Ethel Ennis, with whom he had become acquainted and somewhat friendly. I found an interview with her online about Earl. As she told it, it was clear that he was rather smitten with her, but she noticed first and foremost that he was white. But as she got to know him, she consented to that interview and... (laughs) As she describes it, he came to her house to interview her, and he interviewed her, and he came back for another interview, and he kept coming back for interviews. The article was never published, but the two of them, just a few months later, did marry, and they remained married and devoted to each other until her death. The next song we're going to hear, a self-penned number entitled Mr. Roachman Blues, reveals that wonderful sense of humor that she described in that 2007 interview and also references Earl in a very humorous way. So this is a portion of Mr. Roachman Blues that appeared on her final live recording from the year 2005. Well, you know, living in uh, a row house, you sometimes share insects. So you know what I'm talking about, huh? If you grin, you in, okay. So you're wondering, did they come in from the store? Under the door? You just knew they weren't there before. So I said, Earl, my husband, I said, we gotta do something. We've got to call an exterminator. So we did. And I was so happy the next day when I heard that knock on my door. Mr. Rose. 
specific course of action planned for Ethel Ennis. And as she tells it, she simply didn't want to go along with it. They would say, go here and have your picture taken. Go to a choreographer. That was a disaster. Go to the right parties. When do I sing? I'd ask. Shut up and have a drink. You should sit like this and look like that and play the game of bed partners. You really have to do things that go against your grain for gain. I wouldn't. After her RCA contract ran out, she came back to her row house and went back to singing at the Red Fox Inn. Nevertheless, during her years at RCA, she did record four magnificent albums. I'm going to play a few excerpts from some of those to give you some idea of how she could work her magic also on a standard. We've already heard a number of standards, but these three are contrasting and beautiful examples. First of all, from her first RCA album, this is Ethel Ennis. Here is the song Dear Friend from She Loves Me, music by Jerry Bach, words by Sheldon Harnick. What I want you to pay attention to specifically in this version of the song is how she manages to bend and shape the melody by using the words as the primary motivator and how that penetrates to the very center of the song's meaning. Charming, romantic, the perfect cafe. Then as if it isn't that enough A violin starts to play Candles and wine Tables for two But where I I see how they look So discreetly sympathetic When they see the rose and the book I make believe 
Next, from my favorite of her RCA releases, Eyes for You, what I consider to be really probably the least gimmicky of her RCA records, because it's just with a small combo, led by pianist Jimmy Jones. Here she performs the Rodgers and Hart standard, Little Girl Blue. I should mention that many of these selections have been edited for length because I wanted to play as many things as possible. So I play only a portion of this, but I did want to include the verse because one doesn't usually hear the verse to Little Girl Blue, and it really contributes enormously to the effectiveness of her interpretation. When I was very young, the world was younger than I, as merry as a carousel. The circus tent was strung with every star in the sky. Above the ring I loved so well Now the young world has grown old Sit there and count the raindrops falling on you. Your hope is 
getting very slender Why won't somebody Probably Ethel's most gimmicky recording for RCA was something called My Kind of Waltz Time. It's arranged and conducted by Dick Hyman, and every single song is really thick on one routine or other, whether that be harmonica, whether it be, as in this case, a woodwind quintet. But in spite of all of that, Ethel manages to put her own personal thumbprint on every single song, all of which are in three-quarter time. This is the song, Someday My Prince Will Come, and who doesn't know this song very, very well? Ethel gives it her very own kind of interpretation, and one which I find to be enormously expressive, offering a distinctive take on a thrice-familiar song. Someday my prince will come Someday I'll find my love And how thrilling that moment will be When the prince of my dreams comes to me He'll whisper I love you And steal a kiss Oh, to though he's far away, I'll find my love someday, someday when my dreams come true. Years later, during her, if you will, scaled-down, Baltimore-centered career, Ethel released a number of recordings on smaller labels. In a 1994 self-titled release, she does a wonderfully stripped-down version again of Love Walked In, in which she is accompanied solely by a string bass, here played by Drew Gress. Performing it in such an understated way cuts right to the essence of this song. 
one look and I had found a world completely new when love walked in with you the 1980s, Ethel also began to interpret more recent songs, songs that sometimes were standards, sometimes were top 40 favorites. Sometimes these songs have since come and gone. Lately, I have been listening to a composition called Everything Must Change by Bernard Einer, who lived from 1945 to 2017. He began his career performing as one of Dizzy Gillespie's featured singers and worked as a session singer in Hollywood under various pseudonyms. In 1974, he recorded his own composition, Everything Must Change, on an album by the legendary Quincy Jones. I first became aware of this song on a recording by Olita Adams, a singer whom I dearly love. The song gradually became a standard. It's been sung by the widest variety of singers, from Sarah Vaughan to Carmen McRae, Randy Crawford, Peggy Lee, Nina Simone, Barbara Streisand, George Benson, Sergio Mendez, in so many different styles that it makes your head spin but I find the jazz-inflected versions of this are the best. 
and Ethel Ennis's version from her last live recording in 2005 moves me so deeply. The structure of the song is quite unusual because there's a big instrumental break at a key point in the song. It's almost as if the emotional climax transcends words and the instruments take over. It's a meditation on the mutability of life. Bernard Einer was not a religious man, yet this is such a deeply spiritual song. The best versions connect to that pantheistic sense of meaning to be found in nature, in music. I'm just playing the portion of Ethel's live recording from 2005 in which she performs the song itself. In the version that was published, it's preceded by a long description of all of the difficulties that accompany getting older. It's droll, it's fun to listen to, but when she gets to the song itself, man, she digs deep and she and her combo come up with something that will touch your heart to no end. Everything must change. Nothing stays the same. Yes, everything must change. No one and nothing goes unchanged. The young become the old. Mysteries do Cause that's the way of time Everything must change There are not many things in this life that you can depend on except the rain comes from the clouds the sun lights up the sky and hummingbirds do fly winter turns to spring wounded hearts will The young become the old. 
Now is the time, of course, for me to do my little promo for my Patreon page. If you want to support the podcast, I invite you to go to patreon.com slash countermelody. 
where you can make a monthly or yearly contribution and partake of the bonus episodes that I publish. I try to do as many as possible. This week, I've been publishing so many episodes on the main counter melody that I've had less time to do bonus episodes. But I've been listening to so many different versions of this song, Everything Must Change, and I had the idea that it would be fun to put together a variety of different versions of my favorite performances and recordings of this song and put those out as a bonus episode. So I don't know when that's going to happen, but I promise it will happen in the next few weeks. So if you love that song as much as I do, maybe that would be a reason to become a supporter on Counter Melody so that you can listen to that bonus episode. In the 1980s, Ethel and Earl took over a portion of a historical building in Baltimore that had fallen into disuse. And for four years, they turned it into a jazz club called Ethel's Place, which was first and foremost a haven for music lovers. And not just with Ethel, but also by guests who sometimes even included Yo-Yo Ma. Ethel continued to appear in and around Baltimore into her later years. In fact, around Baltimore, she was known as the First Lady of Jazz. I found a description of a 2017 appearance that she made at the Montpelier Arts Center. Ennis, who has performed alongside jazz legends like Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington, believes music is not only a vehicle for entertainment and creativity, but can also be used to inform, inspire, and bring about change. This was very much central to her ideas about music and performing. She had no interest in fame. She had no interest in being a diva. I've read so many tributes to her where she is celebrated for the way in which she kept music at the center of her performing life in a most unpretentious and undiva-like way. As I mentioned earlier, Ethel died on February 17th, 2019, at the age of 86. I had never even heard of her until David came to me after having read her obituary in the New York Times and said to me, have you ever heard of this Ethel Ennis? They have posted some clips of her in her obituary, and she is extraordinary. And indeed, I was so taken with her, and at the end of calendar year 2019, I paid tribute to the great musicians and singers that had died that year, and that was the first time that I featured Ethel on the podcast. But I've been wanting to do a full tribute to her, and when it occurred to me that I could include her in a Baltimore miniseries, I simply jumped at the chance, besides which one of my dearest friends and listeners had asked me specifically to do an episode on Ethel Ennis. I have two closing selections. First is from her 1955 recording, Lullabies for Losers. It's another Henderson Brown de Silva number. This is called Bon Voyage. Ethel is accompanied by a small combo, Hank Jones, Eddie Briggs, A.B. Baker, and Kenny Clark. As you can imagine, this recording set the jazz world on its ear, at least as far as conoscenti were concerned. Ethel continued, over the course of more than 60 years, to be a favorite of those in the know. Time 
is running out, my love. Soon I'll be without my love. Hear the siren moan. Bon voyage. Bon I'm so thrilled that you joined me all today for this tribute to an extraordinary, if self-effacing, forgotten diva. I could have chosen a completely different program. I could have put together four, five, six Ethel Ennis programs of completely different material, and you would have enjoyed it just as much as you did this one. And that's why it was challenging to actually put this together, because every single thing that I heard, I loved We conclude with another selection from Ethel's capital release, Change of Scenery. This is Irving Berlin's The Song is Ended, and the orchestra is once again arranged and conducted by Neil Hefty. Even though this is a song about endings, the tone of the arrangement is rather light-hearted, down to those sassy finger snaps. But even when Ethel Ennis is singing in her breezy mode, with her expressive and expansive and text-driven phrasing, she always taps into the deeper meaning of the music. The song may indeed be ended, but the melody, as well as the memory, lingers on. The song is ended, but the melody lingers on. You and the song are gone, but the melody. 
night was splendid and the melody seemed to say summer will pass away take your happiness while you may there beneath the light of the moon we sang a love song that ended much too soon the moon descended and i found with the break of dawn you and the song had gone but the melody My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.